Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up, folks? Welcome in. Happy New Year. It is the first Hardwood Handicappers of 2024. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, and how fitting, how artistic, how wonderful. Hardwood Handicappers at the start of the new year, right where it began. With just me. Um, not wonderful. Of course, Zach Cohen and Kelly Bidlin do a wonderful job here on the pod. Uh, but the boys taking the day off for the new year day. I will be your humble captain throughout a short episode. Got two bets in, in the card today. I uh, want to hit, of course, on the news of the weekend, and that's about it. So we'll keep this one tight because I'm sure you guys and gals are doing a whole lot of stuff. And when I say that, I mean a whole lot of nothing on your New Year's Day as you get ready for the college football playoff. So we begin with the news of the day and actually ties into the best bets as well. News of the weekend, the New York Knicks and the Toronto Raptors trading over the weekend. OG Ananobi, the centerpiece of the deal, goes over to the New York Knicks. Uh, I was laughing before I turned on the record button here because uh, the headline for the article over at ESPN and some other spots is Knicks acquire Raptors OG Ananobi deal RJ Barrett. Um, I don't think the R.J. Barrett piece is the biggest piece of this deal for the New York Knicks, but uh, I digress. So the Knicks get O.G. Ananobi, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly. A 2024 second-round pick goes to the Toronto Raptors. Raptors will get uh, the Pistons' second-round pick, so it's like a fringe first-round pick. Knicks are also getting forward Precious Achua and guard Malachi Flynn in the deal. So the final tally, O.G. Ananobi, Precious Achua, Malachi Flynn, now New York Knickerbockers. R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick, now a Toronto Raptors. Uh, that doesn't make any sense grammatically, but you understand what it means, and sorry, I'm kind of tired. Stayed up to midnight last night. So there's a lot of ways to dissect this. We're a sports betting podcast, so from getting out of the way of really like the, like the grade, right? I actually thought that uh, Kevin Pelton, who does a great job grading every single trade that goes down over at ESPN, um, put it pretty well in that I, I don't think this is a great trade for the New York or for, excuse me, for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I think Emmanuel Quigley is awesome. I think Quigley is going to be a starting caliber guard that they can build around for the foreseeable future and pairs very well with Scotty Barnes. But outside of that, if you're going to tell me that OG Ananobi just turns into one starter and RJ Barrett and a second round pick, I don't care if it's a fringe first round pick. It's not a first round pick, it's a second round pick. Um, I feel like you should have gotten more there. Should have gotten more for a player of OG Ananobi's caliber. Probably could have gotten more if you traded him at the trade deadline last uh, last year. And I do think that Toronto is shooting itself in the foot consistently with the way that it has handled this, what is now, I would assume, a rebuild. You know, letting creatively go for nothing. Sh- uh, shipping off OG Ananobi for, I'll say, like 75 cents on the dollar. You know, what you could have gotten for him. I don't really like it that much. And for the Knicks, you know, I think you I think you do like it quite a bit. You know, he they Kevin Pelton gave him an A in terms of the overall deal. I think if you look at it and zoom out again taking away the sports betting standpoint of it, right? Where sports betting of course were super 
uh, like laser focus, right? It's just about this year and that's about it. We don't really care about the grand future of things. But if you're talking about the grand scheme of building your franchise, this is a really good deal for New York because you give up. You don't dive into the treasure trove of assets. You ship off one of your more tradable assets to get a player of somewhat equal, like a, a better caliber. You know, one day quickly probably could be better. You get rid of RJ Barrett, who has not been particularly great. Um, and I know, again, people keep saying RJ Barrett's like the focal point of the deal. It's not really the focal point of the deal because he hasn't played particularly well. So, but if you're talking about New York now having Jalen Brunson, a legit three and D wing threat, the assets to go and get another star and the potential to add a Donovan Mitchell when he comes around, you know, the future is bright for the New York Knicks. So having said that, the sports betting aspect of this is fascinating because there are a lot of ripple effects. And I think the first and foremost part is, you know, people always ask this question during trade deadline season. Every time I do shows on VSIN or whatever, it's always the same thing and it's always the boring answer. But always, everybody always asks, well, like, okay, now that the trade deadline's over, what's the bet to make? And it's always about futures, right? Well, there's not really a bet to make here from a future standpoint in the big picture. I think for the Knicks, and I, you know, I'll pat myself on the back on this one. Uh, we were talking about this on Saturday on Live Bet Saturday when I was breaking down this trade. And at that point, the Knicks were 25 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference. And I said, at best, they're going to move to like 20 to 1. And that's exactly what DraftKings did. We're from 25 to 1 to 20 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference. It's exactly what this team is. There are still clearly some flaws with the New York Knicks when it comes to competing this year and the grand scheme of the Eastern Conference when we're talking about comparing them to Boston and Milwaukee and Philly. Can they win a first-round series against a, an opponent, especially if they get a home court like a Miami? I think absolutely. Um, but that's, I think, about the ceiling, unless the court – we've seen crazy runs before, so I'm not going to say it's impossible, right? We so we saw Atlanta make a run to an Eastern Conference Finals. We saw Dallas make a run to a, a Western Conference Finals. We saw Miami make a run to the NBA Finals. So it's not going to be out of this world if they do it. I think you'd need some really ridiculous shooting, much like Miami did last year, to get to that point. But I think overall, there's a pretty firm ceiling here for the New York Knicks this season when it comes to acquiring OG Ananobi. I think one of the things that you're going to try to look for here uh, when it comes to these teams is how this affects them daily, day to day, right? Power ratings, pace, tempo, all sorts of things, which we'll get into a little bit later. But I think when it comes to futures, right, everybody wants to gravitate toward some big future to make. That's not the case. Now, I will say... One of the things from a, a somewhat future standpoint, I guess it is a future, uh, that you might want to look at for potentially for New York is uh, adjusted win totals. I think that's very much something that could be in play here for the New York Knicks. Uh, by the way, they're minus 800 to make it into the postseason. Not really something worth jumping in on. And once we get adjusted win totals hung back up, what you're talking about before the trade, it was floating around 45 and a half. I think 46 and a half is probably worth looking at and betting over for the New York Knicks, a team that was on pace to win 45 games and could be a little bit better, right? Wins at the margins added by OG Ananobi as he gets more comfortable. Should fit seamlessly too, by the way. A 3 and D threat would be awesome. I think that's the way you're going. And for Toronto, what's going to be pretty interesting is, you know, what we look at for this team now moving forward is how low does the power rating get? How bad does it get? Because I would assume, that with OG and Anobi on the way out, that Pascal Siakam at some point here in the near future before the trade deadline is also going to be on the way out. I think now you're sitting on some pretty solid assets that you can now flip. Again, you can flip Pascal Siakam, get a young player back or maybe some draft capital and really start this rebuilding process around the core of Emmanuel quickly, Scotty Barnes being the cornerstone 
and whatever you can get back. And we'll see what RJ Barrett becomes. But I also think there's probably a reality in which maybe you can flip RJ Barrett for something before the trade deadline. If somebody wants to take that on, uh, if that is the case, because they don't know if RJ Barrett has the most value right now for a team like the Toronto Raptors and where they're sign or where they're at right now too, uh, in terms of the status of the rebuild. Problem is too is that um, RJ Barrett still after this season is going to have three years left on a deal that's paying about twenty eight or twenty yeah average out about twenty six we'll call it uh, twenty six million per season. So it's not going to be that bad by the end of it because the new media rights deal is going to kick in and all that kind of stuff. But still, I don't know how many people are going to be signing up to have R.J. Barrett. And Barrett's only 23. You know, he's going to turn 24 in 2024. So it's, it's not like it's the worst thing in the world. We've seen guys develop and grow. Maybe that's going to be something that uh, in the friendly confines of Toronto, an area where he's from, he grew up as a Toronto Raptors fan. Maybe that's something that's really going to um, really push forward his development over there in Toronto. You never want to say never for guys like that. So. Big picture-wise for both teams, again, uh, like eh, for the Toronto Raptors, uh, solid, I think, really good for the New York Knicks. And from a futures betting standpoint, I don't think there's much outside of looking at the New York Knicks win total. Now, what's really interesting here, again, the ripple effects of what we talk about from a future standpoint, is what we do with an award like Six Man of the Year, for example. You know, six, um, Emmanuel quickly was in contention for Six Man of the Year. And now that he is with Toronto, one assumes that he is no longer going to be coming off of the bench because he shouldn't. He is a starting caliber player. Austin Reeves is plus 250 to win the award. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is 3-1. to one. Quickly still floating around 11-1. to one. By the way, uh, a certain book still has a New York Knicks logo next to his picture. But essentially, right, this, this picture gets a little bit more muddied in that I don't think Austin Reeves should be a guy um, that is – that is the favorite to win this award at this point right now. So I, I think what happens with the six man of the year race is pretty fascinating because quickly had been awesome. I mean, he has been awesome. He's improved New York's uh, net rating when he's on the floor by about 11 points, every 100 possessions been absolutely brilliant. And I do think he was stronger as a candidate than about 11 or nine to one, which is where he was out before the trade. So be very interesting to see the ripple effects in the six man of the year market as it kind of evens out here. You know, right now, Austin Reeves, your favorite, a plus 250. Tim Hardaway Jr., a 3-1. to one. And then there's a little bit of a gap. Cole Anthony, a plus 650. My money, by the way, for anybody who be wondering, we talked about this the other day, but I messed up and mispronouncing his name. So I confused Zach Bogdan Bogdanovich over in Atlanta at 7-1. to one. Very much worth the look there. Malik Monk, plus 850. Then you get to quickly right now at 11-1. to one. So everybody behind quickly kind of moves up a little bit in the pecking order for six-man of the year, a race that has been kind of eh so far in terms of the awards market. But a contender, I think, is there, uh, gets, a, gets removed because what quickly can be and quickly was in that market. Uh, all right, really quickly, like I said, this is going to be a short episode because it is New Year's Day, and I, I did want to give some thoughts on the quickly trade here from Harwood Handicappers. I kind of bloviated about it on Live Bet Saturday. So let's, uh, you know what, let's, uh, I'll take my break really quickly here when we come back, uh, the two bets that I have for the day, and then we'll send you off uh, on a wonderful, wonderful New Year's Day. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, only two plays, and it actually involves both the teams that were involved in that trade over the weekend. And this is why I wanted to kind of save this portion of it because the other betting aspect of this trade, of course, is how do the teams change day to day? How do they change from a power rating standpoint? How do they change in terms of the way that they play from pace and scoring? All of those sort of things. And so both of my bets today were kind of playing on some theories that I'm going to mess around with for the most part when it comes to the Knicks and the Raptors, especially on these early portion before maybe the market adjusts or I'm proven wrong, which I mean could happen because I'm wrong a lot. So we'll start with Minnesota on the road against New York. OG Ananobi presses Chua. We'll knock this out quick because again, this game is going to start at noon. So who knows what's going to happen. And I think mostly this conversation is mostly about what these teams are going to be moving forward as opposed to what the actual bets are. So for New York, my thought here is this. It's this bench is going to get worse. And yes, you know, Saturday is not the perfect example because, you know, you don't have a manual quickly uh, as part of the mix here. So you've got to trade something or you got to move some things around. You got to bring a bench piece uh, up, all that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, in the starting lineup, you you put in a, um, a uh, Dante Givincenzo and Josh Hart were starting that day. So, you know, OJ and going to take a, a part of that starting lineup. And then one of those guys is going to move to the bench to take over for manual quickly. But I don't think you're going to do that. As I mentioned earlier, the Knicks net rating improved by 11 points every 100 possessions. He improved their efficiency in transition by 11.6 points every 100 plays. Uh, in that game that I mentioned, the bench had just 20 points. That's pretty bad, right? The bench got gets a somewhat deeper if, if Josh Harder, Dante DiVincenzo move back. But I do think against the Minnesota, and maybe as we move forward just overall, this team does become a little less efficient on offense because – you're going. You're removing an offensive piece like Emmanuel quickly, putting in a three and D weapon like OG Ananobi. You get a little bit better defensively, but I think you sacrifice some of your offense, and especially on that bench. That bench was so freaking good, and now I think you have somewhat, you have some real questions about whether or not this bench is going to continue to be efficient for the New York Knicks as you move forward the rest of the season. So it's going to be pretty fascinating to see what that is. So for that, like I bet the New York Knicks team total under today, one eleven and a half. I think that against Minnesota, uh, who has had some time off, who knows? Again, I'm kind of guessing here, you know, do the Knicks, uh, excuse me, do the Timberwolves fall victim to being in New York on New Year's Eve and all that kind of stuff? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I 
I don't know. I kind of think New Year's Eve is kind of an overrated holiday. And I would assume that I'm not the only one that thinks that because no thought is unique. So maybe there's going to be some guys who actually take this seriously, but who knows the allure of maybe playing in New York and I get a sleepy Minnesota team early on Sunday or excuse me, Monday, but either way, like the, what New York is going to be as you move forward, I'm very interested to see what happens to their offense and what happens to their bench units. And if in game, the Knicks might become a team worth playing against once they start to get to these bench units, or if the workloads for Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle really start to ramp up to over uh, overcome the fact that his bench is now going to be somewhat weaker, but quickly was awesome off of the bench. And that's a really massive piece that you could just cannot replicate the production of even with the Josh Hart or Dante DiVincenzo and DiVincenzo has been on a pretty hot run here in terms of scoring, but I don't think that's going to continue. So bet the Knicks under uh, their team total 111 and a half. I think the more fascinating thing here is what Toronto ultimately becomes for the rest of the season, especially if Pascal Siakam's not going to be there. But with Quickly and Barrett expected to make their debuts tonight, I'm really interested to focus in on Quickly because I would expect that Quickly is going to start for Toronto. They need a guy like Quickly to really be a focal point, to be part of the production, the building block as we move forward right next to Scotty Barnes. I think he gives them a presence at point guard that they have not had for a very long time in that he is somebody who can pass. He defends at least, he at least gives an effort defensively and is a solid defender. So he'll never really get caught out of position, never absolutely get destroyed by any one opponent along the perimeter. And he fits with what they want to do. The Raptors run on 36.5% of their live ball rebounds on offense. The average 130 points per 100 plays quickly, as we noted, improves the transition offense or improved the transition offense for New York by a really wide margin when he was on the floor. So it should be a fantastic it's a fantastic fit for Toronto and quickly to kind of meld together. And I do think that quickly, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a cough button, but it's stuck under something. I apologize. Um, I do think that quickly will improve a half court offense that ranks 23rd in, in efficiency, 95.2 points per 100 plays. So I think that this Toronto team should get better on offense. It is, is quickly going to raise this team from 23rd to 10th? I don't think so. But is it realistic for this team to be like, you know, near average by the time we get to the end of the year, quickly is healthy? I think that's a possibility, at least in terms of half-court offense. I think it's a possibility. Uh, Absolutely. And so when we're going to get a team that right now is 18th in pace, but I think that improves and that gets a little bit higher with quickly out there. I get a team that is going to be uh, more efficient, I believe, in the half-court. And I get a team that is going to be slightly lesser on defense because their best uh, perimeter defender in OG Ananobi is no longer there. I think that leads to this team potentially being a little bit of an overplay as we move forward. Now, the market was in on this, so I'm not the only one that thought this. 224.5 was the opening total for Cleveland and Toronto. It's up to 226.5. But I wanted to take a stab and see if I'm right in thinking that this is going to be the profile for Toronto as we move forward. So bet this thing up to 226.5. Bet it over 226.5. Pretty interesting that the market also bet the side here up to 2.5, saying that these two teams are near equals. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. And that is a fascinating part for Toronto as we move forward. If Siakam's going to be gone, how low the power rating gets and, and what Toronto ultimately becomes. Because I, I do think that they're just, especially if Siakam's going to be gone, depending on what they get back for him, I think it's just going to be a quick pace, bad defensive team, you know, uh, early versions of the Indiana Pacers, essentially. And uh, I do think that they'll probably take a step back from a power rating standpoint, but they should not reach the levels of like Portland last year. For those who don't remember, Portland last year was like bottom of the barrel. From a power rating standpoint, they ended up the layer uh, catching at least 14 and four out of the last five games, I believe, was the statistic. So not really good for Portland last year. 
But this year, I don't think Toronto reaches that low. Either way, very excited to watch what's going to happen. So Knicks team total under 111.5. Raptors over 226.5 for the game against Cleveland. And just really looking forward to what this is going to look like. So uh, no big card breakdown again. <clears throat> we are, um, we are, um, I don't even know what I was going to say. We are. I'm just keeping this short so you guys can enjoy your New Year's Day. Uh, good luck today. Uh, enjoy the games. College football is going to be awesome. That starts early in just about four hours or so from when I'm recording. Uh, hopefully, you had a safe night. Happy New Year. And want to say, too, at the start of 2024, uh, if you're listening to my voice at this point right now, I appreciate you. I really do. Um, you have been part of making this podcast um, very fun to do. I really love the feedback back that we get up on social media as well. Uh, this has been a labor of love. I think we've discussed that a little bit before. Uh, but I could not do it unless people listen to it. So if you're listening to this right now, it is very greatly appreciated. And hopefully you stick with us through 2024 and beyond. With that, Happy New Year. And we will talk to you tomorrow here on Hardwood Handicappers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.